under I only have two bullet points. One says snowmobile and the other says Bill Clinton. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Amazing Race Rewind podcast, a podcast where we rewind back in time to watch the earliest seasons of the Amazing Race for the first time. My name is Andrew. And I'm Jill. And we're here to talk about the final episode of season one, episode 13, the finale part two. We made it. I, You know what? Do we want to tell our devoted uh, listeners the origin story of this podcast? I feel like at this point they've earned it. They've earned it. If you've been with us, you've listened to the episodes, maybe if you're just joining us today, here's our origin story. So, yeah, back in September, September 13th, I opened Andrew's personal Instagram story, and there was a little blurb of just text, and all it said was, does anyone want to start an Amazing Race podcast with me where we watch old seasons of The Amazing Race? I'm dead serious. Yeah. And me, not knowing if he was dead serious, even though he'd said that, texted him saying, hey, you know, like, look, we're both pretty busy, but... If we could schedule this and, you know, try and work around our two very different schedules, that would be great. I'd love to do it. And I think by the end of the day, we had a logo. We had accounts for all the the broadcasting sites. What else did we have? We had a description. We had an email. And we had a plan for the first episode. And we, we had a dream. We had a dream. And here That's we are all almost we four months later. Four almost m- four months later. Yeah. And that's serious I was. Over a thousand downloads. Yep. So there's a, there's a little... Uh, <laughs> little what would you want to call that bonus content for our listeners amazing race rewind lore for all you dedicated fans out there yeah so we're starting this finale here and in this intro phil he's just kind of setting the scene of the three teams and their standings and they're like how robin brennan and frank Maria Rita are in the lead and they say he says quote joe and bill have closed the gap excuse me lies where and at which point did they close said gap? And they said, there are only a few tasks behind the leaders. Okay, but there are A few also- tasks, yes. No, that's not a lie. A few tasks, <laughs> yeah. yes. 24 hours, though. See, now why are you trying to deceive me, Phil? Because I know they're not close. They're an entire day behind. It doesn't matter how many tasks are in between the teams. <laughs> but regardless of that propaganda. It, it is. It's, he's just lying. There is no gap to be, there is a gap, but it's not one to be closed. There, There's going to be a clear winner between two teams. Team Guido's out. Yeah, they didn't even make out of Alaska. Yeah. So anyway, the leg starts, and Robin Brennan starts at 4.17 a.m., and Frank and Margaret start at 5.03 a.m., and the first task is to snowshoe to the Tekosha Lodge, but the route marker at the Tekosha Lodge doesn't open until 8 a.m. And so it's dark out, and they're, they put their snowshoes on, and I think he said it's only about half a mile. So probably just under a kilometer, which is not far to snowshoe. Like, it's really not. The issue being, though, is that they need flashlights to navigate through. And I think Robin Brennan's flashlight, it dies because it's so cold. The batteries die. Yeah. You've got two teams. They're essentially piggybacking off of Frank and Margarita, who have a working flashlight. You've got these two teams snowshoeing through the forest for not a particularly long amount of time, only to get there to realize it's closed and then just wait. you've put both teams back in the lead neck and neck yeah and frank and margarita they're complaining about how rob and brennan are too afraid to do anything on their own and how like oh of course they're following us it's like yeah they are going to follow you because they don't have a flashlight and you guys are going to the same place so they're obviously going to follow you it's (laughs) and there's one route to get to this place (laughs) yeah like you're all going to this on the same path 
once they get to the lodge and they're waiting for it to open, Margarita has this little moment where she's talking about the race and how hard it's been and everything and says she's been sick three times. Have we seen that? They must have just not covered it. Or like maybe she just means like a minor cold or something. Yeah. But that I did pick up on that. And that really, I just can't imagine having a sore throat or having a headache or a runny nose being so stuffed up. And not, not only are you, you're physically exhausted. You have no routine. Your body is so out of whack. But then to be going between all these different climates, they're they're in Alaska. It's so yeah. cold, but they would like a week prior they were in Bangkok. Like it's just the the temperature difference would just be brutal on top of all of that. Yeah, and I feel like traveling as it is is very conducive to getting you sick. Like the conditions yeah. of being on a small plane with all these people and being around in all these public areas and like constantly being on the move and never getting a good night's rest. That's just a recipe for sickness. It is. It would be brutal to be sick on the race. Yeah. But it, I guess, yeah, it happens. Yes. And then they show us Team Guido starting, which they're still actually an entire leg behind. And they're still trying to delude us into thinking that they have a shot, which is a waste of time. Team Guido have not finished the prior leg. When we mentioned yeah. last week that the two teams stayed in a cabin waiting for the blanket toss task to open, that's where the Guidos are. So they are quite far behind. Yeah. You could cut them out of the episode as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. The, they basically did. <laughs> they did. They really did. Other than a Bill Clinton line, but we'll get to that later. So once the lodge opens at 8 a.m., we have a detour, which is between dog power or horse power, where they can either dog sled 11 miles or snowmobile 30 miles to get to the next destination. I would. I just prefer snowmobiling. Maybe that's that's what my note was. Anyway, sorry. Oh. Um, I prefer snowmobiling anyway, and I just it's more fun. At this point in the race, I would just want to have more fun. And honestly, it probably just would be quicker. So I would go with snowmobile. What about you? Yeah, I think the detour, it seems 50-50. I think they try to make it even. But I'm surprised you wouldn't want to do the dog sledding because I feel like that's such a unique experience where snowmobiling is much more common, you know? I mean, you're speaking as someone who's now done both. But I don't know. I feel bad yeah. for the dogs. I just, I, cu- I couldn't get over that. I'd just rather snowmobile. The thing with the dog sledding is while they're going, the dogs are happy, but it's just when they're stopped and then they rally each other up and then they can't go. But anyway, both teams choose the dog sled detour because I think it's a cooler experience. Definitely. I'm just like, at this point in the race, I just want to be on a something I'm familiar with. You know, something I know can go That's fast. Cool. Yeah, there's a lot more variability with the dogs. So yeah, they're dog sledding and there seems to be an issue here where Frank is too heavy. He's leading the pack or his dogs are too slow or something. He's kind of like holding up all the other people behind him. Did you hear that? No. Oh, I just got like the loudest notification of my life. Oh. And then this leads to Rob and Brennan trying to pass him, which is a mess of just dogs everywhere. And I feel like, how is this allowed? Because when I was on my snowmobile tour about last week, we weren't allowed your to snowmobile pass- tour or your dog sled tour? Oh, yeah. My dog sled tour. We weren't allowed to pass anybody because there's like risks of the dogs getting all tangled up, you know? I don't it, like it didn't look like they had much control. It seems like the dogs just decided they wanted to pass. No. OK, so the thing is, as somebody who once again has done a dog sled tour. <laughs> Not you tucking your hair behind your ear every time you mention that you've done this. We get it, Andrew. You're on a different continent. So the only thing that they're doing is they have a break that they're able to control the speed. So it's like a little break that sticks into the snow that slows you down. So wait, what, what was the question? Oh, they don't have much control. Yeah, so they don't have any control. They, they're just standing there and then just breaking to slow down. Or sometimes you have to like get off and then run alongside the sled to help the dogs get up a hill or, or something if they're struggling. 
So at least from what I did, all you had to do was sit there and do the break. And that's look, that looked like what they were doing as well. I don't know. They, they seem like they didn't have a lot of control, which is also why I wouldn't want to do the dog sled. I would just prefer snowmobile where you're in complete control. That's true. That is fair. And the path is so narrow when they're passing, too. Like, there's so much going on there. It, it didn't seem very, not safe, but it didn't seem like a great idea. I feel like there could have been something that went wrong there. But anyway. I know. So Rob describes this whole ordeal as a Chinese fire drill. Do you know what a Chinese fire drill is? Let's research that. Oh, I already have researched this. So I searched this up before, and at a Google definition, the first thing that came up, it had a warning in all capitals that said offensive and North American. I was like, okay, yeah. North Americans are being offensive. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> and then I also saw a Chinese fire drill was a prank that teenagers used to do in the 60s while driving, where everyone gets out of the car at a red light when the car stops, and they have to run around the car. It's like a game of musical chairs. They have to run around the car and then open the door and get back into the car right as the light turns green. And anybody who fails to get back into the car is left behind. So, I mean, it sounds like a, a kind of a fun game to me. But it's essentially used to describe a state of confusion. But I don't know where the fire drill com- part comes from. From my research, which was really not that extensive, I couldn't find where it came from or what exactly a Chinese fire drill, like what that stems from. But bottom line... It's an outdated term, and it's derogatory, so there we go. That's yeah, there's a lot of racist connotations in relation to this. I'm just doing more reading, and it's like, eee. But anyway, I digress. So back to the detour. Rob and Brennan, they do pass Frank and Margarita and get there first to their car, where they then have to drive themselves to Fish Lake. They have to self-drive. They have to self-drive, yes, in their Teslas from 2001, where they reach a roadblock at Fish Lake called Who Likes Cold Water? This task concerned me so deeply because all I can think of is the chance that you go into shock is so high. Yeah. And I I just don't think it's healthy. I hope they had a medic on site. I personally, I would be terrified. I think that I think I would go into shock because I'm already Uh terrified I'm going to go into shock. Do you not see the safety issues of this? Yeah, but did you see they had like a rope tied around their waist where I guess someone would be able to yank them out if they... Oh, yes. No, that rope is going to save me immensely if I'm passed out in the cold water and my body's going through <laughs> extensive stages of hypothermia. That rope is going to be a, such, <laughs> such a good help. Well, I would assume they would have precautions in place there. I would hope so. But either way, the task, I was not a fan of the idea. Yeah, the task is so, yeah, they're on a lake. And they have to plunge into the freezing cold water of a frozen lake. And then they have to submerge their head and then grab a clue. Which, this reminds me of a task from Amazing Race Canada Season 7. I don't know if you're familiar. Where I think they were in they were in Yellowknife, Northwest Territories. Where this is like this task, but on crack. Where they had two holes in a frozen lake. And they had to go from one hole and they had to swim underneath the ice and then go out the next hole. It's so unsafe. I have so many concerns. I think it's a health risk. Could be. Like, I know what a cold plunging's all the rage now, but it's it's <laughs> not good for your body. You're going, like, you're... It... <sighs> but I think, at least at the Amazing Race Canada one, they had a lot of people there to ensure that everything was going to be safe. Whereas this one, like you said, it didn't seem like they had a lot going on there. And, like, the Amazing Race Canada one, they made sure that they, like, they dunked their head in the water to make sure they were, like, climatized to the water and they had all these things so it would be safe. But I don't know about this. This just, like, it was interesting, but it concerned me because I don't, I just, I don't believe that the proper safety precautions were taken to the fullest 
least extent. Yeah. But anyway. Brennan here does the worst thing that he could probably do, which is jump in and jump out without grabbing the clue. And then having to jump back in. Go back into the water and then grab the clue. But it seemed like nobody was dying because of this. Like, And Frank Snow had no issues either. I think this is just more of like a shock value task where it's like, oh my god, they're jumping in a frozen lake. Yeah. But after the detour, or the Reblock, rather, they're instructed to go back to New York for a full circle moment. Yeah, and Frank and Margarita are ecstatic. Yeah, Frank has a celebration of the century here as if Phil just showed up and told him they just won the million dollars. I can understand, though, because I think they're specifically supposed to go to Queens, which is where Frank and Margarita are from. So I can understand that, like being told that you have the potential to win on home ground. And I know I think Margarita especially is thinking about their daughter and the fact that, you know, the location they're sent to is about 10 blocks away from where they live. So, you know, you've been away from your child for weeks at this point. And to know that you're going to finish the race and be able to drive home that night, you won't have to fly. <laughs> that's so nice. That is kind of actually insane. So yeah, they have a quote that says, once we're in New York, it's all over. What do you think about hometown advantages here on The Amazing Race? Do you have any thoughts I mean, on without that? Without spoiling the rest of the episode, I don't I would, I want to say they're unfair because they're going to happen. You can't avoid them. Yeah. Really, I think it's just by chance you get the, it's the luck of the game. I will say like, we were in our hometown. I think you and I would be at an immense advantage. And you do know the shortcuts, but that being said, I think you have a tendency to either be too comfortable or overthink it, and that's not great. Like, if you're yeah. overthinking it and you're trying to simplify things, you might end up just screwing yourself over. Yeah, I think here they did kind of screw themselves over and overthink it, like you said. But I think the hometown advantage is probably a bigger advantage in these early seasons where it's more navigation-based rather than your aptitude with the tasks, because... Like this final leg in New York, all they have to do is navigate. They don't have any tasks to do. They just have to get somewhere as fast as possible. And that's where this hometown advantage would come in handy for them. Yeah. I mean, if you have to drive yourself around, I'd say especially in Canada where public transit isn't as great a thi- like uh, as great as in like it's not as yeah. well implemented into cities. So now, naturally, I think a lot of the tasks in Canada are here's a car drive yes as like i said if we were home it would be an immense advantage for us because we know our city like the back of our hand and there's no risk of getting lost with that that way no or and if you are lost you kind of know already know exactly where you are and you know how to turn yourself around so yes they're on their way to the airport in anchorage and here's a scenario for you jill okay what would you do if a random man came up to you at a gas station and tells you that he'll give you $300 if he could use your phone for the rest of the day. And I, uh, here's the thing. Is this, are you asking me in 2001? Or are you asking me today? Because I think that plays into such a huge part of that question. That's true, because phones are a much different thing now. Like today, your phone is everything. Like, you, like I, I'm, I don't mean that. Literally, I don't believe in that. I don't believe that we should be reliant on this kind of technology. But a lot of people, they have everything on there. Like you have your bank Every, your banking, your cards, your health information, everything is on there. So it's such a different question in today's context than it was in 2001. Okay, so for if it was today, are you saying no? Absolutely not. Like there's absolutely no, I'm not giving my phone away. Um, I think <laughs> yeah. if I was in 2001, I wouldn't, I wouldn't straight up say no. I think I'd be more of why do you need it? Like, can you, I can give it to you if you need to make a call. Like, but I probably still wouldn't let someone just walk out of the store with it. I, yeah. I would just, I, I would say, look, look, you can make a couple calls. Go ahead. Like, you don't have to pay me. Although if he's offering $300, I might be like, I'll just take like five bucks. I'm being modest. Five bucks. This is you, you and I saying like, we, you and I aren't good at the aggressive. 
bartering yeah like we'd, we'd be yeah. so passive but I, I would not give my phone away I wouldn't be like oh yeah just just mail it back to me in a couple weeks like no yeah. make a call make two if you need but I'm not letting you walk out of the store with my phone okay so this is Rob's strategy here um <laughs> he's going around asking these people in a gas station if they could if he could borrow their phones for three hundred dollars and he'll mail them back he'll mail it back to them at the end of the day I believe or something like that yeah and I've never seen anything like this before but he did manage to get somebody to give him their phone which is I mean again we have such a different we live in a different time that we we could not fathom that but I can see why someone would yeah and so yeah he did this so that he could call and reserve his seats on his on the flight while they're driving to the airport so they don't have to risk anything or so they can reserve them as fast as possible which didn't really turn out to do anything but I think this is cool kind of outside of the box thinking by them here it is and I mean yeah there's if there's nothing in the rule book against it why not try it so they're driving to the airport and Rob takes out this absolute fossil of a phone and books their flight. Absolute well, fossil. It is. Did you see that thing? Oh yeah, but I don't can like it's 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 a phone. Yeah, but it's it's a phone that just has like a bunch of buttons on it. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a literal phone in in the definition of the word. I love phone. But anyway, and he throws out the idea here of reserving all the remaining seats on the flight so that Frank and Margarita can't book it when they get there. Which is... Is it even possible to do this? I feel like he wasn't thinking when he said that or we're misinterpreting what he meant. Or he was... I don't think he was saying it the way he wanted to say it. What do you mean? What do you think he he was saying? I think he had something in his brain that he was trying to convey that A, wasn't realistic and B, just was not... Nobody got it, including us, including probably whoever... Was it Brennan? Yeah, Brennan in the car with him. I think he was just trying to figure out the quickest way to sabotage the other team. Yeah, but the other yeah, he's talking about how it's immoral and it's not right. But let's say let's say that is the case. Let's say that's possible. I say yes, do it. It's four million dollars. If it's not against the rules, then yeah, do it. I forget that you have this very brutal, very cutthroat side to you sometimes. I don't think it's that brutal though. It's not against the rules because. I don't think it's immoral if it's within the bounds of rules. It's not immoral, but it's just like it's going to that extreme. But I feel like they are just more concerned about how they look on TV. Because let's say, okay, you're put in this position. You you are in a battle for a million dollars. And you can either sabotage this one team or you can not sabotage one team and then potentially lose your chance at a million dollars here. No, I see where you're coming from. Like, I'm not totally disagreeing with you. I don't think immoral is a concern. I think it's just like, it's an extreme to go to. Like, we're going to book up. and But it's not realistic. I think that's why I'm also kind of just dismissing it. Because it's not realistic. You will not be able to book up every seat on a flight. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I guess that's the bottom line here. It's not. That's never going to happen to begin with. But I guess it was amusing for us. That it was. So, yeah, I just have this one little thing here. When driving to the airport, Frank says... That he never even liked Robin Brennan to begin with. So there. I was like, okay. The tensions are high. The tensions are high at this point. And have the Guidos even started at this point? No. I think, yeah, I, we cut back to the Guidos here. And the thing is, is that it's so annoying because the things that we're doing were introduced in the last episode. So Phil has to describe what they're doing, the tasks that they're doing. Again. As if we've never seen it before. Yeah. 
because people are probably just tuning in for this episode and haven't seen the last episode. So there's a lot of explaining with that going on. I know, but it's just kind of redundant at this point. It is redundant. And these segments, they're just Sparknotes versions of what the other, other teams already did. And every single time they're on screen, it's the same thing. It's we're not, not out yet. We can do this. We're going to beat them. We can make up time. They're so brutally positive. Like it's honestly, it's it's amazing. Right? Like I applaud them for it. I would not be able to be that positive at this point, but they're not gonna make it. Yeah, they're not doing anything interesting. This was a quote they had. They said, "Who knows? Maybe Frank and Margarita and Robin Brennan fell off their skidoos and froze in the snow and were in first place." Because that's so likely. <laughs> yeah, it says on the screen that they're twenty four hours behind. And there's another quote that says, we're very hopeful that we can make up 24 hours. How? Especially in the U.S. I, I think at this point, they're just trying, like, this is what they're saying when the camera's on. And when the camera's off, they're saying something completely different. Yeah, because, I mean, they keep their spirits high. And spoilers at the end of the episode, when they get the little message that somebody's already passed the finish line, they're like, okay, great. Congratulations to them. They're not phased like at all. They're them- disappointed. It's like, I mean, obviously the top two teams haven't crossed the finish line yet, but you know on Mario Kart, how when the person who yeah, first crosses the finish line so far ahead that eventually just shuts down the race for everyone else? They yeah. should have done this, but they should have just done this sooner. With they the- should have done it back in Beijing. Yeah. <laughs> just Mario Kart shut the race down. I love it. That's, <laughs> That's what I was thinking of. That's how I equate it. Robin Brennan and Frank and Margarita, they make it to the Anchorage airport and have to figure out how to get to New York. And this is a bit of a tense scene because it ends up both teams are beside each other at the ticket booth trying to book tickets. Yeah, it's very intense. They're they're both like whispering to their ticket booth workers and Robin Brennan tell them not to say the flight they're on, not to say their names in hopes of Frank and Margarita not like, hearing. It's so intense. Yeah. And the women who are working at the airport here, they're fully invested. Like they're leaning in. They're very like focused. They're like, OK, we're we're taking this seriously. Good for them. I, I mean, maybe the TV camera adds something, but I would just, if I was me, I'd be creeped out. It'd be, I'd, I'd be looking at them, excuse me, why? Why can I? Okay, fine. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because they're all on the same flight. And to that, I clap because it means we have a show, folks. We we have a show. And what is the yeah. flight path again? They go, is it, It's not direct, is it? No, they. I think they go to Seattle, lay over in Seattle. Yes, that's right. In New York. That's right. And Frank says here, quote, it's on like Donkey Kong. It is. And now when they're in the airport here, too, it's kind of funny because it's setting up again that the fact that this is the hometown advantage for Frank and Margarita because they're just sitting. They're chilling. They're not concerned. If anything, in my opinion, they're overconfident. But while they're doing that, Rob and Brennan are frantically trying to scramble to find a map of New York, uh-huh. specifically a map of Queens, because I think it's also getting to them they know this is the hometown advantage for frank and margarita so they're they're, they're stressing yeah and probably seeing how confident frank and margarita are they're like oh we got to do anything possible to try and get ahead and figure out where exactly we need to go yeah um but at this point in the episode i'm thinking this is an exciting finale both teams are on the same flight and it'll be neck and neck to the finish line yeah, and I'm I'm rooting for Frank and Margarita, to be honest. Like I said last episode, I'm still rooting for them, which doesn't fully make sense because I feel like it would make more sense to root for the underdog, and Rob and Brennan are the underdogs in this, and that they don't have the knowledge of New York, you know? I wouldn't call them the underdogs, though. Like 
I just mean in this particular circumstance. As a personality of the team, they're not the underdogs. Well, yes, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's fair. So yes, they're on the plane. They get to New York, and it's when they're getting off the plane, and as they're as they're walking off the plane, both teams are right beside each other, and they're kind of pushing to get ahead, and they're being really aggressive. And the Canadian and me would be there, like, okay, guys, let's just make a deal that one only when we get to the end of this bridge will we race like for now let's just walk side by side very calmly very casually we're not going to get ahead let's just let's just chill for a moment and then once we're out in the open where there's you know room to move then we can go crazy do you think people would actually listen to you if you said that do you think you'd have time to say they would get they would um have some respect (laughs) for me people to be reasonable like this it's a million dollars i feel like people wouldn't care i like to think though that they would respond well and it would be so hard for them to turn down the respect i am giving them as well okay um well if we get on the race we'll see how that works you see this is i'll be trying this method and beside me you're gonna be screaming go 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 yeah exactly that's yeah but anyway um sometime during during this we cut to team guido and alaska doing the snowshoe task while i was this was playing in the background i was just like typing my notes or whatever and i heard the words quote i have likened myself to bill clinton and I was gagged. This sent me into another dimension. I had an out-of-body experience. What did I just hear? That was not on my bingo card. And we should say, it's not the lawyers saying this. It's not Robin Brennan. <laughs> it's not Frank and Margarita. We have cut back to the Guidos, still back in Alaska. Yeah. And they're about to give us a very profound piece of um, speech. Yeah, talking about how Bill Clinton proclaimed himself the comeback kid. And there come back kids. And he goes even as far as to say that after this, he's going to meet Bill Clinton. And to that, I say, get a grip. This is insane behavior. And what's with their obsession with referencing political figures? First, we're quoting Winston Churchill in China. And now we're comparing ourselves to Bill Clinton while in Alaska snowshoeing. This is strange behavior. I I, I don't even have a comment for that. (laughs) It happened and I, I heard it. Yeah, I was stunned. And I wrote it down, but I, I don't actually have a comment for it. <laughs> okay, also, on the plane, Rob and Brennan, when they're talking about how nervous they are about being on the plane, and I think Brennan says it's surreal that like this is the last time they're going to be on a plane in this race, and how it's almost over. It's like they do this jump scare thing with the editing. It's like a horror movie. Do you notice that? Where they're oh. sitting there, and it goes like, boom. And it like zooms in on them very quickly. I was like, why are we doing like this? Like an office type zoom? No, it was like very sudden. I didn't catch that. I'll post it on Instagram. Follow us Amazing Grace for on Instagram to see that. So you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but it was very strange to see. And it had that like horror movie sound effect. But anyway, yes. Um, Just like I said last, like I think the producers got lucky that they're neck and neck and on the same flight again. Because how much of a snooze would this finale be if they were on, a, on two flights like six hours apart? I know it worked out really well. Yeah, no suspense at all. But I would have to expect that that would happen on an upcoming season here, like season two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I don't know. Early season where they don't have as much control over the teams where something like this would happen during the finale and it's not too exciting. Yeah, that's true. But either way, I mean, it does, well, we'll get to that now. It does kind of disperse in a bit. So why don't we. Yep. And I don't want to say it gets less exciting, but it becomes pretty predictable a little too early on for my taste, I would say, because yep. the teams land in New York. And as we mentioned, Frank and Margarita, I, I think, are feeling overconfident. 
So they get in yep. a cab and they're directing the cab themselves because they feel they know the quickest way to get to this park that they need to get to in Queens. And Robin Brennan presumably don't give the cab any directions. They just get in to their cab and tell him we need to go here. So yeah, Rob, uh, sorry, Frank and Margarita were really strategizing here and really thinking, overthinking, like you said. And I think what happened was they were thinking of traffic and they were thinking, what's the best way we can avoid traffic? So they pretty much take the highway the whole way, which is a further distance than Robin Brennan, who took a direct route. But Robin Brennan and um, were traveling through Manhattan, which tends to be more congested traffic wise. But I was watching this and it seems to be very early in the morning. It is, is like maybe four or five a.m. Like, yeah, there's barely any cars on the road. Yeah. So, yeah, like you said, Frank and Margarita, they're telling their cab driver exactly where to go. Like, you get in this lane, take this exit, keep going straight. And Frank says, quote, there's no way they could beat us. And then immediately cut to Robin Brennan getting to the park first and beating them. Yeah. And I mean, from, from there, it's pretty straightforward. I don't know exactly how many minutes behind uh, Robin Brennan and Frank and Margarita are, but Robin Brennan get the clue. And the clue tells them they need to catch the number seven train. They have to go a couple stops to is it the starting point the the point where they started the race no it's a different it's a different spot it's different yeah. right. but essentially they have to go to the final pit stop the finish line yeah which is at flushing meadows park yes and during this all frank and margarita still think they have it in the bag because they haven't seen robin brennan and they're assuming that robin brennan are behind them and they can't fathom that robin brennan would be faster than them they're very excited. And even, I mean, I think so much of that excitement too, like Margarita's saying over and over, she's like, I'm 10 blocks away from my daughter. Like my daughter's yeah. so close. Like, you can just, you can feel that so much of that excitement too for her is just that you're home. Yeah. And like, they're almost done this grueling trip that would probably take a large toll on you. But when Rob and Brennan are waiting for the train, they do this like back and forth of Rob and Brennan waiting for the train and you see like the train coming in and Frank and Margarita are running to the train station to make it seem like they're about to catch the train, but you don't know if they're going to. And it's all very exciting. And the running, the music and the editing made it seem very intense. But I feel like that really wasn't the case here. And I mean, if you can't tell already from what we're about to say, ultimately, it's not as close as it we as we as an audience would have liked it. And Rob and Brennan crossed the finish line first. And are the winners of the first ever season of The Amazing Race. Yes, it is quite the dramatic finish, actually, with very triumphant music as Robin Brennan exited the train. And while Frank and Margarita are still on the train and thinking that they won and the music is playing for both. And it like kind of fits both situations in a way, you know. Yeah, they see the flags, they're running and we see all the other teams clapping and cheering for them. And I actually did get emotional, which is surprising for me because oh wow, you know, I'm not an emotional person, but this got me. I don't know. I just thought it was so beautiful to see all the teams there cheering for them. But all the I teams are always them. there. But I didn't know if they were going to do it on the first season. No, they've done it right from the get-go. And the music was so good, and they were all high-fiving. I just thought it was beautiful. I think Rob is almost crying at the end there. Yeah, so was I. But yeah, that and honestly, do we see the Guidos at this point? Because we see Frank and Margarita cross the finish line a couple minutes later. We get to see them kind of wrap it up. Well, hold on. Oh. I want to talk. About, hold on. I want to talk about the Frank and Margarita thing because, yeah, they're still on the train and they think they're winning. And when they're running, you they still think that they're in the lead. They still think they've won. And you can see the exact moment when 
Frank and Margarita when they realized that they saw Robin Brennan also at the map because they heard everybody cheering for them. So like, oh, that's a good sign. We won. And then they slow, they they just stop. And then Margarita starts walking. And then it shows the all the other teams. And it was, I think it was Pat, where you just see her go, and just screaming at them. And then they hold hands and then the music cue comes in and then they run to the finish line together. I thought that was quite well done as well. It was a nice moment. Like, it's obviously unfortunate, but it was a nice moment. Yes. Yeah, when Rob and Brennan uh, came in, they both hugged Phil. And Phil says his nine countries, four continents, 45,000 miles. You guys are the official winners of The Amazing Race. And that got me. Were you not emotional during this? No, I wasn't. Like, I, no, I like, honestly. is this what gets you? Like, you can, you will not cry over anything. Yeah, you cry at everything. Like, every piece of TV or film. And I was it it grade 11, no, grade 12 English class. So you turn around in your desk and I'm just sobbing. Because we were, what were we watching? The Crucible. The Crucible. Yeah. It's like, why? What? And the thing is, we already read the book. So we knew what happened. And we were watching. It was just so powerfully done. I thought this was powerfully done. And I'm sorry, but this is what gets you. After all these years, I finally figured out what makes you cry. You watched yeah, Titanic it's... with Kyla and I, and we were both sobbing, <laughs> and you didn't bat an eye. Oh, this got me. I don't know why. Are you crying now? No, I'm not. <laughs> like, I, I was like, if, you, if, if it was you and I there, I would be so emotional. Like, then I would yeah. be crying. I think I, te- I teared up at the fact of, like, what it would look like for you and I to be on the mat. But I... it did not make me emotional that Rob and Brennan and, like, Frank and Margarita were winning or were finishing. No, it wasn't even that Robert Brennan. I think it was just the finality of it all. And seeing everybody there all at once, I just thought it was so beautiful. <laughs> and I think I was like projecting myself onto them maybe. And it's like, I feel like I know these people. Oh and my God. On this amazing journey for <laughs> that's, that's so unnecessarily deep. This is insane. Okay. I've got manic. <laughs> oh my god. Oh yeah, I've never had such an emotional reaction to a TV show before, but this got me for some reason. And something that I noticed, the first thing that Margarita does when she comes in is she doesn't acknowledge anyone, but she hugs Margareta first. And I noticed that because I'm always on Margareta watch. I know you are. I, I thought you would be so happy to see them again. I was so happy to see them again for one last time so that was that was that that was the emotional apparently end to the amazing race yeah i thought you were gonna i thought we were gonna have like a shared experience here i can't believe you didn't even i was like i finally got emotional about something and we can connect on this (laughs) i i don't know what to say to you like it but we darnly cut back to alaska where everybody at this point i think everybody's forgotten about the guidos and They open a clue at the dog sledding detour where it just says Rob and Brennan have crossed the finish line. And to that, they just reply, oh, congratulations. That's great. I'm happy they won. And that's it. Okay. Thanks, guys. I feel like in terms of continuity and keeping the viewer in the moment, as as apparently there's a really strong moment there. There was. Like, it would have been easier if they would just kind of um, showed an image of Bill and Joe in Alaska, but then had uh, Phil narrate that, you know, Bill and Joe were told to no no longer continue the race blah 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 like i feel like cutting away so suddenly like that just kind of took you out of it for a second yeah and especially because the music was so good 
I think we could have kept the music going. We could have just, okay, yeah. But yeah, they don't even go to New York. And I think it would have been nice to see all the teams together, but I guess they can't keep waiting, everybody waiting a whole extra day for the Guidos to come in. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's the um that's, that's the season. season one, guys. So but I was I... thinking wait, sorry. Could you imagine if Frankie Margarita and Robin Brennan were on the same train and it was literally a sprint to the finish? That would be insane. That would be oh my god. Like I was all I, my anxiety was already so bad watching this. Like I had to turn the volume off at parts because I just oh. couldn't handle it. I think also I was there I was projecting as if it was us. Like what would I be like? I think in that situation I would be so oh. I don't even know. Like, I don't even know what you and I would be like in that situation. I think I do, but like, it's so stressful that I don't want to imagine it. But I, that would be such an intense and close finish if they were just flat out sprinting. That would be insane. I will say, that, like, in that scenario, uh, you and I, as sprinters, like, let's say it was that length of a run. How well do you think you and I would do? Like, if we had to sprint for our lives? Well, I mean, obviously, it depends on our competition. That's but, fair. But I know for a fact you can sprint like there's like there's a bear chasing you. Yeah. I mean, I'm a known runner in film, <laughs> but I, I do have longer legs and I, I, I can move if I need to. But I know. I feel like if the adrenaline kicked in, I can. I've, you, you can kick yeah. It, yeah, I've been chased by a donkey before and I, I ran for my life. So Eeyore? yeah, oh. Okay. <laughs> I will say I'm sorry. I will add this now. So it is December 12th today. Next week we will have our recap episode going up live. Um live. And then we will actually be taking a two week break over the holidays until we come back with season two. So do not be alarmed that we are not posting after next week's episode for two weeks, the twenty-sixth and the second of January, those two Tuesdays. We will not be posting anything. Enjoy your holidays. Um, and we will be back on January 9th with season two. And we're going to be implementing some really cool things into season two. Yeah, so stay tuned with that. We got some special things planned, but I'm actually not done talking about this um, finale. Oh, okay. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Go ahead. When the teams are all standing there and they're cheering. (laughs) When the teams are all cheering and the camera pans out and they're all standing on the mat. That really got me too. (laughs) (laughs) You're so emotional. Andrew can't even speak. All the teams clapping for there. It's like such a great closure to the season and they're wrapping it up really nicely. And I didn't realize how invested I was in the show until the finale. Like obviously I'm invested, but I don't have this emotional investment that you do apparently. I didn't even know I had this either. This is honestly like seeing this, I fear for if we ever go on the show. Like I think if we were ever in the finale... I, I, I don't think I know what you would be like. I think it would be like, like a new Andrew. Well, I don't I don't think I know what I would be like either because this is something new to me as well. This is like unlocked something within me. Wow. <laughs> Changing lives here on the Amazing Race Rewind. Um, I don't here. have anything to add because uh, clearly I wasn't as emotional about this finale as Andrew. Yeah. I don't know if we want to talk about, because I have some notes here saying, talking about like Robin Brennan. I think like they're like fine winners, but I think... I would honestly rather have other teams, most other teams win than them because they just didn't do it for me. There, There's nothing wrong with them as, as, as a team or as people. Like, they seem genuinely nice, genuinely invested. I just think the fact, I don't know, the fact to me that I'm like, they're lawyers and they probably make good money. Yeah. I feel like there's other teams who that million dollars would have really benefited. Yeah, I agree. Because I think the only other teams that I 
would want to win less than them would maybe be like Matt and Anna because they were the first ones out and I don't know anything about them. And then maybe like, I don't know, Lenny and Karen. Yeah. Other than that, I've been more happy, I think, to see any other team win. That's fair. But anyway, like you were saying with the recap episode, the season may be over, but we are not done with the season. It'll be season and retrospective recap behind the scenes extravaganza. We are going to be doing a ton of research. We're going to be listening yeah. to podcasts, interviews, doing some readings. No spoilers now. We know everything. So we're going we to go see see what we can find. This is investigative journalism is what we're doing right here. We, we are. are Barbara Walters getting the scoop and uncovering all the secrets from season one of The Amazing Race. <laughs> the show's been out for 23 years, 22 years. <laughs> But you know what? I think I think it's going to be very interesting, and I'm very excited for our discussion next week, so you guys should all tune in. Yes, you should. And I'm just going to say one more thing before we sign off. I think our, I'm saying this on the record, on air, I think our goal for this podcast is to get some of the teams on, especially, I think we've grown so fond of the season one teams, and I mean, I know we'll feel that way about all the seasons, but I think our goal is to get a team on and interview them. I think that'd be really fun. That could be really cool. So it's so, on the record man. now. That's our goal. Okay, you put it on the record. If any if any of the teams are listening, shoot us an email amazingracerewind at gmail.com or DM us at Amazing Race Rewind. Can you imagine if they're listening to this? Oh my god. We love you all. Yes. Anyway, so that is it for our season one coverage of the episodes. Yeah. Rob and Brennan are the official winners of season one of the Amazing Race. Yeah, and we'll have so much more to say next week on a recap episode as always follow us on instagram at amazing race rewind follow us on apple podcast spotify give us a good rating help us out share it with a friend do what you gotta do guys thank you so much for over 1000 downloads and we will see you next week yes we will bye bye